Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Starting today and going over the next couple weeks, we're going to be looking at the idea of uh, what is my comfort? What is my only comfort? And this is going to be coming out of the last question in our catechism. Today, I'm going to be looking at Romans chapter 14, verses 7 to 9, and also Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39, uh, to try and anchor us in with a text uh, to look at this. So we're going to, I'm going to read the text to us, and then we will uh, look at the catechism question and dive in to understand what God's Word speaks to us regarding our only comfort. So again, Romans chapter 14, verses 7 to 9, and Romans 8, 31 to 39. The verses will be up on the screen. I encourage you to read uh, along with me and hear God's Word. This is the Word of the living God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. And then in Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 31, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for his all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God for his word. Well, friends, we're, we're continuing to walk through some very unusual times here as this quarantine is going on, as we're reading about the spread of the coronavirus, not only in our own country, but around the world. And uh, I, I, I sense a lot of people that are kind of under stress and, and struggling a lot. Uh, all you have to do is get on social media or, or look at the news and you can kind of sense the, the stress that's going on there. So I thought it would be good for us to take a look at this idea of comfort and what is our only comfort. Now, when we speak of comfort, the first thing is to think through what we're talking about. Um, there's a couple of modern senses. When I looked it up in the dictionary, it said, you know, one of the things was... Uh, something that just alleviates any pain or difficulty, you know, a, a thing like an easy chair, that we're just trying to avoid anything that is difficult. It's, it's comfortable, it's nice, it's pleasant. 
Uh, and in that sense, that, that's not what we're really talking about. That's not what the scripture speaks of. The scripture speaks that there's always going to be struggles and difficulties. Uh, but there is another meaning of comfort uh, that's more often used here in our modern world, which is uh, something that relieves us of grief or depression or some kind of mental anguish. It's, it's something that, that, that comes along during that mental anguish or grief and tries to relieve it. And that is biblical. God is spoken of as the God of comfort, who comforts us in our troubles and our struggles and our sorrows. Uh, and there is certainly that component to it. But there's an older meaning of comfort that's not used as often today. We don't think of it in these terms, but it's really, really important because it has to underlie a biblical concept of comfort. And that is that comfort comes from a couple of Latin words that means to be with someone to provide strength. If you think of our English word fort, you can think of a place that is strong and built up. And to comfort someone was to come along and help them be strong, to empower them, to give them strength. And that's really the main idea biblically. It's not that we're able to avoid the difficulty, but that we are strengthened even in the midst of it. Now, this idea of comfort comes up in the final question of our catechism. After going through 97 other questions and looking at the great doctrines of the faith, we conclude with a final question, and it's actually based on the first question in the Heidelberg Catechism. They kind of used it as the launching off point. We used it as the summary point at the end. But it is a great answer that they wrote. I, I, I updated just a few of the phrases, but I want you to hear this and listen to it. This is question 98 uh, in our catechism. It's up here on the screen, and we're going to take a couple of weeks looking at how the scripture teaches this very concept. So the final question our catechism reads, knowing all of these things, what is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer is, that I with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood is fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that all things must work together for my salvation. And therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready from this day forth to live unto him. Now, we're going to take a couple of weeks to unpack this answer. And I want to begin today by just looking at basically the first half of it and talk about how Jesus and his work is our only comfort. And so notice the first part of this is comfort comes from the fact that I belong to Jesus. Again, look in the catechism and it says, you know, what is your only comfort? And it's that I with body and soul, both in life and death, belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So comfort for us as a believer arises first out of the fact that we are not our own, that we belong unto Jesus Christ, that he uh, is our uh, ruler, our Lord. He owns us, and he is faithful. And notice in the answer here, it includes all of me, that I with body and soul, 
both in life and death, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's not just one part of me, but all of me, body and soul. It's not just in good times, but in good times and bad. It's, it's in life and in death that I belong unto Jesus Christ. And this is comfort because he is faithful. I may not be faithful. You may not be faithful, but Jesus Christ is faithful so we can trust him and this can be a source of comfort. Now, this idea of belonging unto Jesus Christ, both in life and death, and, and this being something that we can build our lives upon, is seen in many places, but notice particularly in our text today in Romans chapter 14, verses 7 to 9. Again, Paul writes to us, None of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Notice Paul says, we don't live or die to ourselves alone. In context, he's talking about we even have to concern ourselves with the people around us because we aren't an isolated person. But secondly, he says, whether we live or die, it's for Jesus. What is paramount for us is not even life or death. It's that we belong to Jesus. And he says that Jesus, in fact, for this reason, died and was raised because he's the Lord of the dead and the living. No matter whether you're alive or dead, we belong to Jesus. This is a very important concept in the scripture. And I want to hasten to add, it's very, very important for us to understand in what sense we belong to Jesus. It's not just because he created us. It is true that God created us and therefore we owe him obedience and we belong to him in the sense that we are creatures and he is the creator. But what Paul is driving at is something that's even more than that for the Christian. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we read, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So, Notice Paul here is speaking of something distinct from us belonging to God because we're his creations. All humans do belong to God in that sense and are answerable to God. But here he says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. See, you belong to Jesus Christ as a Christian. I belong to Jesus Christ as a Christian. And the reason for this is because we were bought by him. Paul says we were bought at a price. He is referring to the death of Jesus Christ for us, that Jesus has redeemed us. And we often think of that in terms of salvation and kind of religious terms, but the original idea is to, to purchase something, to, to buy something. And Paul says that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done. Oh, Christian, hear this. You not only belong to God as a human being and as his creation, you belong specifically to God as his people because through Jesus Christ and through Christ's sacrificial death, he has bought you. And friends, this is a source of comfort. God is our Lord. He owns us and he is watching over us. Now, this then flows into the second 
uh, area. Not only can we have comfort because our faithful God is our Lord and he owns us and he is responsible over us, but we can have comfort because we are fully saved by Jesus. Now notice the catechism moves on to say that, uh, that not only that I with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, it goes on to say, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil. So notice here, this is the outcome of belonging to Jesus. We not only belong to him in life and death, but Paul tells us, uh, I mean, but, but we see in the catechism answer, and we're going to see that Paul does tell us this, that the effect of being purchased by Christ is that his blood has fully satisfied for all of our sins, and he has freed us from all the power of the devil. We are fully saved because we belong to Jesus Christ, because we not only belong as a creation, but we belong uh, to him um, as those who have been bought by him. Because of this, uh, we can have comfort. Now, I'm going to go through several different ways of the effect of Christ purchasing us and what that means for us. Uh, the effect of Christ's sacrificial death is full salvation for you and me. And notice how Paul unpacks this for us. First off, Paul says that Christ's sacrificial death shows us that God is fully for us. And we're going to see all of these in Romans chapter 8. So look through this together. In Romans 8, 31 and 32, Paul says, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Paul's telling us, look, through Christ, we know that God is for us. He's not against us. And if we know that God is for us, it doesn't matter who else is against us. If God is for us, we need not fear any human. We're going to see we need not even fear Satan. We don't need to fear death. All that matters is God is for us. And Paul says, just think about this. If God is so for you, that he did not shrink back from sacrificing his own son to purchase you, to bring you to himself. If he did not shrink back from that, Paul says, why do you think he would then not care for you, that he wouldn't graciously give you everything that you possibly need? This, friends, is full salvation, and this is a source of great comfort. Paul would tell us today, do you think that God would allow Christ to die for you, that he would pay for your sins, that he would bear the wrath of, of God's uh, holy wrath uh, against our sin, that he would do all that and then say, but I'm, I, I've lost my concern for you when it comes to the coronavirus. I, I've just kind of skipped town and I'm not paying attention. Paul says there's no way. If he has died for us, he will graciously continue to watch over us. Friends, this is a source of comfort. But Paul says there's not only this, there's more. He tells us that Christ's sacrificial death has satisfied for all of our sins. Notice in verse 33, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. 
Paul's looking at another effect. He says, if Jesus Christ has died for you, if his blood has paid for your sins, then who's going to bring a charge against you? Well, you need to understand this. The judge, God, is the one who justifies you. He's the one who declares you totally righteous. That's what this word justified means is to be declared righteous. Friends, it's not just that you're declared not guilty. Uh, you are declared totally righteous, as if you had never sinned, and as if you had positively obeyed all of God's law perfectly. God justifies. And so Paul says, it doesn't matter who condemns. It doesn't matter who would stand up against you, because the judge of all the earth has already declared, now and forever, that you are justified, that you are totally righteous. So it doesn't matter how the world looks at us, what it might say about us. It doesn't matter what Satan would rail and say against us. God has declared that we are righteous. Our standing before God, now and forever, is secure. Not because of what we do, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. He has fully satisfied for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And he's done this by his blood. But Paul, like a, like a salesman almost, says, but wait, there's more. Notice as he looks in verses 33 and 34, he tells us Christ's sacrificial death delivers us from all the power of the devil. And there are several ways he does this. First, his accusations. Verse 33 and 34, he says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now, I bring up Satan here because the word Satan originally meant the accuser. And he is sometimes he's referred to in the book of Revelation as the accuser of the brethren. That's what his name originally meant. He stands there to accuse. So when Paul is saying, who's going to bring up an accusation? The answer is Satan would love to bring up an accusation. He will stand there and rail. And here's the reality. He can bring up actual evidence where I have sinned, where you have sinned, where we have fallen short of God's glory. But Paul says it doesn't matter because when he stands there to accuse us, God says, I declare them righteous. When he stands there and tries to condemn us, Jesus Christ is standing at the right hand of the Father and says, that is my blood-bought one. This one is part of my people. This one is part of my bride. This one is chosen. This one is redeemed. This one is bought by my blood. And no accusation, no condemnation can hold on to them. This is what it means to be a Christian. The blood of Christ has made all of the devil's accusations and all of the devil's schemes inert and ineffective before God. They have no effect towards you and me and our standing before God because Christ has died for us and Christ lives for us and Christ intercedes for us. Friends, that is comfort. 
no matter what is going on in the world around us, no matter how things go here with the coronavirus, no matter what other people say or think or what the enemy is doing, it does not matter. Christ has once and for all secured our place and our standing in the family of God. And then there's even more. Because the devil not only accuses, he then sometimes goes on to persecute. But Paul tells us that Christ's sacrificial death has delivered us from the devil and his persecutions. So notice in verses 35 to 37, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul's telling us Christ's blood secures us before God no matter what life brings. Look at that list of things that Paul lays out there and says that none of them can separate us from Christ's love. He says there may be trouble, there may be hardship, there may be persecution or or famine or there may be poverty you might be nakedness there might be sword that comes in to actually kill you but none of that can remove you from God's love and God's care Paul says it cannot do this and he says as those who belong to Christ we're willing to face all of this and more he says look for your sake we we're like sheep to be slaughtered we will face death all day long because we know that we belong to God. In in another place, Paul says, I know him to whom I've committed everything for that day, and he is trustworthy. As a Christian, we say, come what may, we know that our faithful God will keep us because we are part of his people because of the work of Jesus Christ. Um, Through Christ's sacrificial death, he tells us that we are more than conquerors. Do you notice that? I mean, more than a conqueror. That's that's a, a, a very strong picture Paul's bringing up. He's saying you're not only a conqueror, you're not only victorious over all of these things, you are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. Because of Jesus Christ, because of his atoning work on the cross, Paul is saying, none of this can shake you. None of this can pull you away from God. We are more than conquerors over every scheme, every action of the devil. There is nothing Satan or his allies can do that can separate us from God. Satan may rail, he may work, but he cannot pull you from God. He cannot pull me from God because of the work of Jesus Christ. And there is still more because the last thing that we might face is death. But Christ's sacrificial death has delivered us from all the power of the devil, and that includes his henchman, death. Look in verse 38 and 39. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, friends, what this means is, hear this, as the blood-bought people of God, nothing Satan 
can do can change your standing before God. Nothing he can do can alter God's purposes and plans for you because they have been secured once and for all by Jesus Christ. You see how Paul has built this from, from Christ's sacrificial death for us all the way to the end, and he says, it does not matter, death or life, um, angels or demons, the present, the future, any kind of powers one could conjure up, um, the nothing in the space-time creation at all. Paul's saying, whatever you can possibly conceive, I can tell you this, it cannot separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is how we, we stand in this age. Paul says, even if we face persecution or death, and it's a reality, Christians have had to face persecution and death down through the history of the church. They continue to have to do it today. Our comfort is not that if we have sufficient faith, we will never have to go through such things. There are people who peddle that idea to us today. They are snake oil salesmen. They are not ministers of God and His Word. The truth is, we may have to face these things. The very man who wrote these words was martyred for his faith. Almost all of the writers in the New Testament were martyred for their faith. The, the church has advanced as Christians have paid the price of martyrdom down through the ages, and that continues today. And if we face persecution or death, God may choose to deliver you or me. And he may also choose not to deliver us, but to bring us through it. But know that even if he allows us to be persecuted or to even die, all it can do is usher us into his presence. And all it can do is give us an even greater reward. As the blood-bought people of God, Satan may rail. Satan may accuse. Satan may afflict and persecute. We may even be put to death, but all he can do is actually increase our eternal reward. He cannot change our standing before God. He cannot change our security in Christ. All he can do is keep adding to our eternal reward. That's all that he can accomplish. Paul tells us that, that, that our sufferings work in us an eternal weight of glory. That means that the more he piles on to us, Satan piles on to us, the more eternal glory we will have. Friend, that is comfort. No matter what you are facing or what I am facing, it cannot turn us or pull us away from God. So let's turn to applying the word. What does this mean for you and for me? There's two questions. Number one, I want to ask us specifically and speak to those who are listening here that may not be a believer. I want to ask, have you responded to the gospel? Because this comfort that I'm speaking about, it is so great, but it is only for those who belong to God through the sacrificial death of Christ. Remember I said at the beginning, yes, all human beings belong to God in the sense that we are his creation. We are all going to stand before him one day. But the comfort that I'm talking about comes from not just being a creation, but rather being the blood-bought people of 
Jesus Christ. It is bought by the blood of Christ. So I want to ask you, have you responded to the gospel? Have you responded to the good news that Jesus Christ lived and died and was raised in your place? And have you responded with repentance and faith? That's the two parts, repentance and faith. See, we have to repent because his blood is necessary to pay for my great sins. And I have to believe that. And I have to grieve over my sin and turn from it. Because if I don't, there is no comfort. It's false comfort. Do I recognize the reason Christ died was because of my sins? It was not for, to pay for his own sins, he had none to pay for. It was not even just to show me that I am, uh, you know, loved by him. It was done to pay for my sins. So, uh, do I recognize that? Have I repented of that? Uh, secondly, have I turned to God in faith? There is repentance. There is also faith. Do I believe that his blood is sufficient to forgive all of my sins, past, present, future, that my sins are not greater than his mercy? Do I believe that his blood is sufficient to secure all of God's blessings for me? And do I trust him and his blood alone? Friend, have you done that? Because that is the only way to find comfort. Every other source of comfort will fail, and none of them will take us through death. But Christ and the salvation he offers will. So I ask and encourage you, respond today. And if you do respond, please let us know at the church. We would be glad to help you start growing in your Christian life. Um, second, I want to speak to us as believers, all of us who already are believers. And I want to ask, are we living in this comfort? Hear me, if you are a Christian, all of this is God's gift to you. It's not something you have to work and earn. It's not some secondary stage of salvation. This is God's gift to you in Jesus Christ. But the flip side of that coin is, this is the only true source of comfort. What you and I can do sometimes is look for other forms of comfort. Uh, you know, just a few that came to my mind this week. There are a lot of people that are talking right now, and you've probably seen the memes, you know, out there on the internet where people are talking about how uh, how everybody's gaining weight because in times like this, we oftentimes look to comfort food. Well, comfort food does not bring comfort. All it actually does is bring extra calories and add on to our weight and probably give us extra health problems at the end. It is a poor source of comfort. So we cannot say what is your only, knowing all these things, what's your only source of comfort in life and death. It's not comfort food. Uh, secondly, we sometimes try to comfort ourselves by TV or some other form of entertainment where I kind of just veg out. Um, I, I just, I don't want to think. I don't want to work through this. All we actually get out of that usually is just killing our brain cells and becoming dumber than we were when we, when we started the whole process out. There's a time and a place for rest and relaxation. That's actually very important. But if we are trying to numb ourselves through TV or entertainment, we're not going to find comfort. At the end, what happens with that is it leaves us feeling 
hollowed out. Uh, a third thing we sometimes do is we actually turn to our forms of sin. For some of us, it's alcohol or drugs, and others, it's you know other forms of sexual sin, or uh, we, we turn to ways to try and numb or, or get ourselves through things. But all that actually does is it distorts our soul and it leaves us empty. Sin always promises to be fulfilling and to give us what we long for. But at the end of it all, after you've had sin, you're hungrier than when you started. You're more tired than when you began. It never delivers on its promises. So I want to encourage you to think through, are there other ways I'm trying to find comfort rather than God himself? Because they'll all fail. So what I want to encourage us to do this week is to meditate on these great truths and remind ourselves every day that my only comfort in life and death is these very things we've talked about. I want to encourage you to memorize this catechism question and answer. I spent last year memorizing the whole catechism. This year I'm working back through it, just reviewing. But I want you to take time. I remember the first time I read Heidelberg Catechism Question 1. And I sat down there and I looked at this. And again, ours is a little bit updated language. But this basic idea that what is my only comfort in life and death? that I, with body and soul, both in life and death, am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil, and who so preserves me that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that all things must work together for my salvation, and therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he assures me of eternal life and makes me sincerely willing and ready for this day forth to live unto him. Friends, that's worth memorizing. That's worth keeping. That'll preach to you in in your dark night of the soul. That will come in and be a source of comfort to you. So I want to encourage you. We're going to be looking at this for a few weeks. Take the time and memorize it. I mean, literally write it out and memorize it. A lot of the stuff in the catechism is worth memorizing. I've memorized the whole thing, but there are certain questions that are imperative And this is one of them. I urge you, memorize this so that the truths will will seep into you. You can hear more about why memorizing and meditating is so important if you tune into After Hours on Tuesday. I want to encourage you to meditate on these two passages in Romans 14, 7 and 9, and especially Romans 8, 31 to 39. If you don't know what else to do for a quiet time this week, uh, along with memorizing the catechism, keep reading this passage and let its great truth sink in that Christ has lived for you and died for you and by his blood has has saved you and, and satisfied for all of your sins and delivered you from all the power of the devil. And there is nothing in this life, in life or death, or there is no angel, there is no demon, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Meditate on that. No TV show is going to give that to you. No nice hearty bowl of soup is going to do that. You don't need chicken soup for your soul. You need the Word of God. You need the truths of God for your soul. So I encourage you, meditate and memorize this. Go over the discussion and devotion guide and think through these questions. The more we let this sink into us and the more it soaks in, the more we can... uh, begin to live in this comfort. And friend, if we live in this comfort, 
we can die in this comfort. And this is the only comfort we have. Now, what we're going to do at this point, oh, and I do want to encourage you one last thing. We've got the Spotify playlist that's got all of these songs we're singing today. You can jump out there. It'll be in the email uh, that, that you got this morning. Jump out there and re-listen to these songs and sing this gospel as we're doing it. And the last one of those songs is Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. That's actually the song that goes along with our catechism. And I want to encourage you to, to now, as we sing this, listen to this great mysterious faith that, that God has revealed to us uh, all the truths of God's Word about what Christ has done for us. Sing this truth. Worship in this truth. Uh, embrace, revel, meditate upon these truths, and let it be your only comfort in life and in death. Amen. I, I hope that that was food for your soul and encourages you to live in the comfort that Christ has given to us. We're going to close out with a word of prayer and then have a word of benediction. Father, what comfort there is in being part of your people. Lord, how Jesus has come as the King of heaven, but came robed in frail humanity, came to us in our longing, in our darkness. Uh, he came in and was a ransom for us. Father, how great that truth is. We are so grateful that he is the second Adam, lived in our place, has secured righteousness for us and offers it to us, that his blood has washed away our sins, and that through him we are your blood-bought people now and forever. And so, Father, I pray that you would uh, fasten these truths to our heart, encourage and strengthen us that we might live now and forever in the comfort of your gospel and all of your great promises to us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, I encourage you to now receive the blessing and the comfort of our God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, go forth in the comfort and blessing of the gospel and be a blessing to others. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.